Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. I'm not a prophet, but sometimes I have prophetic dreams. Popping once, now throwing long down the left side. Slaughter has a piece going in for a My DBM brothers and sisters, I'm a Browns fan live at a local watering hole in my fair city. I'm here today with a returning guest, JB, one of the only people I know from miles around who actually likes the Cleveland Browns. JB, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm actually not doing too bad. My boss kind of sucks, though, you know? <laughs> Besides that, I'm, I'm doing all right, though. Everything else is it's not so bad. I mean, the Browns kind of suck, but... You know how it is. I've been following this team for years. That's what I'm expecting, yeah. right? Same thing every year. <laughs> I guess, man. Okay, so I guess we should just get into the discussion right now. Um, first of all, I guess we I'll, I'll talk about maybe five questions. We'll talk about them one-on-one. -on -one. But the first question I wanted to ask you is, what do you think the Browns' chances are of avoiding an 0-16 season? Like, remaining on the schedule so far, they have uh, coming up next week the Packers at home, the Ravens at home, I believe. Then they go on the road to finish out with the Bears and the Steelers. And what do you think the chances are they're going to avoid an 0-16 finish? Uh, I think that avoiding an 0-16 season is going to be really tough, uh, especially because the last two away games, um, I think our best chances winning a game uh, this year will be probably the next one against the Packers at home, especially with Aaron Rodgers out. That's a good, that's a good one for us. Um, uh, against the Ravens, I don't see us winning that game even at home. I don't think the chances are really that good in this one. Uh, we could win. We we could win the one against the Bears away on a really good day, uh, but I don't see us winning against the Steelers. That's, I don't think we're going to win this one. No oh, way. Okay. So, I guess for me, looking at these next four games, I, I feel that all four of them are winnable games for the Browns. I feel like they're winnable for different reasons. Going into the Packers game, I, I think that the Browns have a great chance uh, going up against uh, the backup quarterback, Hundley. But at the same time, I feel like the Packers are going to be pretty motivated because Aaron Rodgers looks like he's coming back pretty soon, and I feel like they're going to be trying to see what they can do to get in the playoff hunt again. And they feel like a game like this is one that they can't afford to lose. So I felt like they're going to be focused and, and ready for us this Sunday. So I'm not so excited about the chances there. But at the same time, like it's definitely a winnable game for us, right? Um, I think that's our advantage because there's so much pressure on um, what's his face, uh, uh, Hunley. Hunley. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him, and he only scored. I think he only had 87 yards passing in the last game, yeah. and he wasn't he wasn't really that good. 
but the Packers, I think they're like 500 or something, right? They are 6-6 six and six right now, yeah. I don't know. For me, I feel like the Packers, they, they, they have a chance. I mean, they've obviously suffered uh, having him out of the lineup. Uh, Favre for sure. Favre. <laughs> Rodgers for sure. But at the same time, like I feel like they're, they're definitely going to be a hungry team that day. And I wouldn't be surprised... Uh, for the Browns not to be able to handle this situation. I could see that team, like a team focused and motivated, ready to come for the playoffs. I, I mean, they have a chance to win the game. Obviously, on paper, it looks like a, a, a decent matchup. But I also think that the Ravens, to me, I think that the Ravens kind of suck. Coming into Cleveland, I have a, a feeling that that's a game that the Browns should have a good chance to, to, to find a way to steal one. They're, they don't do anything that well. I mean, they can, you know, they, their quarterback is super elite Joe Flacco. <laughs> so in the end, I, I really feel like they got, a, they got a chance against that squad. The game that I think is people probably got circled as the, as the chance of the Browns to avoid, you know, the fate of the Detroit Lions in 2008 would be that Bears game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. And for me, though, you've got to think about Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky, if he comes out and beats the Browns, man... <laughs> This is gonna. That's gonna be an, uh, a really awful feeling. You know, this team, the Chicago Bears, as of late, have not played their best football. I feel like going into this game, if the Cleveland Browns are 0-14, I, I gotta feel like this is the one they can sneak a bye with. Right? Right? I don't know. I think so too. Yeah, but I think I think they have the best chances again or winning a game next week or this week against against the Packers. I think the the Chicago game is in Chicago with. You know, the home crowd. I don't think – I think our chances are better this week. Okay. I mean, interesting interesting point, man. I mean, at home, I think the, the team does look like they play a little bit better than on the road, but I don't know. But we were talking a little bit earlier about this Bears game and another situation, and what if we were in a spot where um, we were playing the Bears and Houston is at four, four wins, the Bears are at three wins, if the if the Bears were to get their fourth win, that would give us an even better draft pick because it would push them back up past the the um, Texans if the Texans weren't able to win any games for the rest of the year. Yeah, from a draft perspective, of course that that's going to be looking great if if we can win uh, uh, if we lose that game. But I kind of still want to win a game this season, so I'm kind of mixed feelings on that one. Uh, for me, I, I'm not okay. I, I'm sorry. I know that's a really you know pathetic and salty position to be talking about. Like, how about we blow a game so we can get a better back draft pick from the from the um, Houston Texans? I mean, obviously we've blown enough games already to almost assure us the number one pick. And now we're talking about blowing games so that we can make sure that we um, get an even better pick with the Texans pick, which is a little bit salty. But at the same time, like, what's the difference, man? The team is Owen is Owen 12 right now. Who cares if they go 0-16? I just want to become better as quickly as possible, and that gets better if we let the Bears beat us. Possibly. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of stupid. It's, 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 a bad, it's a bad opinion. I'm not even really happy to be talking about it in some ways, but I don't know. I really feel like it, it might not be the worst thing if the Browns actually did go 0-16 for the chance to have the first. Maybe they could possibly have two top five picks in the same draft in this draft class. Did that ever that, happen? I don't think that ever I don't happened. Think it's, I don't think it has, but just the value of that second pick, if somebody wants to trade up for one of those quarterbacks or something, it's it's through yeah. the roof. Yeah. I don't know. So for me, I really, 
I'm kind of thinking about the possibility of them getting those two two top five picks in this draft. I think the the Bears are the seventh. I think they have the seventh pick now, and no. uh, or the sixth. Yeah, we, we were also talking a little bit about Tankathon.com. I don't know if you guys have a chance to check that site out. At Tankathon, they have weekly updates of the draft position as they finish. And I think right now, as well as what we were looking at before, the the the, the um, Bears are in either fifth or sixth. And the Texans are at seven. Yeah, they're right behind them. Yes. So in some ways, like, I, I was really excited to see that <laughs> we, we have two <laughs> top ten picks as it stands right now, including the first pick of the draft, which allows us to take whoever the hell we want to take. And then after that, trade that pick or have so much value we can use with the pick. With so many good quarterbacks coming out at the top of this draft, that could be worth a lot, of, a lot to some team. Yeah, but also it's not really in our um – we're not really in a position to to argue about that because it's in the Texans' hands. It's if, true. If if they win out, let's say they win the next three games, the situation is going to be different. Um, but either way, whatever like whatever way it turns out, if we have a top another top ten pick or if, let's say the eleventh or twelfth pick. In addition to the first one, which I'm pretty sure we're gonna get. Right now, though, the Texans, the Texans pretty much suck, man. And it's not because I mean, they got, they have, they still have the weapons on offense, and I mean they have Tom Savage, God, that guy, Tom Savage. They got this guy as quarterback, and probably a step up from Brandon Whedon. But in the end, like, you have also their defense. They have so many key injuries on defense. And it's just like that team, which is once such a strong team in the AFC at the beginning of this year, by now, yeah. They'll be so lucky to, you know, be able to muster enough strength to get one or two extra wins after this point. Yeah. And I don't know what Chicago's schedule is like, but I think it's going to come down to those two teams. What position we're going to draft the second, uh, the second pick in the first, uh, first round? Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, who knows if that guy starts to play well, you could have them get a couple of wins going in, out of the season, and they could put themselves in a place where they're behind. We have to see. I mean, I don't know about the the Giants. Of course, they had. The, did you hear about the firing today? Oh yeah. Yeah, I guess oh, McAdoo yeah. is done. McAdoo which, is oh done. my God. <laughs> Yeesh. That's yeah. That looks like a really awful situation. But they're looking like they're trying to promote from within as well. So it's a little bit strange to see that happen there. Oh yeah. But uh, let's see what goes on with the, <laughs> the Giants moving forward. Okay, let's go to question two now. Do you think there's any way that Hugh Jackson can survive this season at this point, sitting at 0-12 right now? I think it depends on if he can get a win or two uh, within this season. I don't think there's going to be a chance for him to stay with the Browns if he goes 0-16. I'm not saying that he should get fired. But I think the pressure is going to be so much higher if he goes 0-16 compared to, let's say, uh, if he gets two wins this season. If he gets two wins this season, he can argue like, hey, we, we improved from last season. Is that going to be a great improvement? But I'm, I'm not really sure if they're going to keep him. If he, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to think that he's going to be out if, if we go 0-16. Not that I really want it to happen to go 0-16 and fire him but I don't know that's that's difficult man that's man I've heard reports that Hugh Jackson's already fired right now and that he's just playing out the string um, you, you never know whether you can relieve these reports or not you'd certainly I, I actually agree with you that 
if he goes 2-15, and 15, there can be a case made, okay, maybe this is the right guy. I definitely think that it would be better for Kaiser's development for him to have the same coach going into the same offseason. Um, at the same time, uh, God, that guy is 0-12 for a reason. <laughs> like, I've watched him play. I've watched him coach play. I haven't even see him play. I guess I've seen him coach. I've seen what he's been doing over the course of the season and what he's done last year. And I guess at last year, at no time, I, I mean, last year I felt like he was completely outclassed in terms of talent on his roster, oh, yeah. particularly at the quarterback position, but not even just there, everywhere on the team. I mean, I felt like they were just outclassed everywhere. And I felt like this offseason they did a lot to make the squad better. They fixed both of the, the lines, offensive line, defensive line, much better. They got talent on the uh, on the outs. I felt like the cornerback the play has been okay. The safety play has been pretty pretty pathetic, free safety. Wide receivers have been awful. You know, but I think there's enough to win something, you know. And in the end, the, the fact that he's won nothing, it's pretty telling at some point for him, right? I think the last four games – during the season, it's going to come down to uh, if he's a, if he's an okay coach or if he just simply out sucks. Uh, because now you got Corey Coleman, who's healthy again. You got Josh Gordon back at the wide receiver position, and now you got the weapons on on the offense that oh you can God. throw to. And uh, I think now you know the talent is there. Of course, they're young. They're really. I think it's still the youngest team in the NFL by far. I think so. I think so. But also. still, uh, the talent is there. So, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's gonna be quite difficult for you. I think you're right. Uh, I was really wondering, and I've been saying this a lot over and over during the course of the show. I was wondering if people thought he would get Byron Scotted or if he would end up Butch Davis. Butch Davis, the example of Butch Davis is obviously those times. I think it was 2005, 2004. I don't know, some time back then. Basically, he just had a nervous breakdown because the team wasn't winning enough. And God, it's, it's kind of amazing that Hugh Jackson's been able to avoid a nervous breakdown with a one and 27 record, right? But like, I was wondering if like at some point Hugh Jackson would have some kind of a nervous breakdown, like like on a press conference. And you see his face now. I and mean, some of these press conferences lately, man, that guy looks really, really like strung out, man. He doesn't look like that. He's ready to fight. He doesn't look like a fighter like he was before. He was defiant earlier on when they were like 0 and five. Like, yeah, hey, I'm not gonna be in that lake. You know what I'm saying? But by now, you see him at the press conference, man, he looks like defeated. He looks like his fate maybe already is decided, right? I mean, if he said it last year that he wants to jump in the lake if they go 1-15 again. Did you think they're, do you think he's actually going to jump in the lake? Like, do you think that's going to happen? Like, the cameras are going to actually show up? And well, if they go 1-15 again and he says, I'm going to jump in the lake, I'm okay with that. If he goes 0-16 and, and says, hey, I'm not going to jump into the, into the lake because... I said we're not gonna go one and fifteen again. I'm gonna personally <laughs> kick him into the fucking lane. This shit's hilarious. <laughs> All right, man. Um, let's see. Coach talk. You know, one of my colleagues said uh, that he thought that Jackson leaving uh, would not make much of a difference. He said that guys would easily move on. Do you think that you know a young team like this could really handle the change of a coaching uh, switch at this point in the kind of the team's formation? I think a coaching change is always different or is always difficult to handle. Um, but especially for younger kids, as I said before, we have the youngest roster in the NFL by far. 
and I don't know if that's really so difficult to overcome. I think what comes after that, who we could hire if Jackson gets fired. I think that would be the question. If we get a, like a guy like uh, what's his name, uh, Sean McVay. Everybody from, talks uh, about that guy in terms yeah. of yeah, yeah. I haven't heard anything about him before he actually got the job, so I didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. And you know the Rams look fine. They had a really young quarterback. I don't know. I, I, so I think it's possible to turn everything around in one season. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's possible. How, how likely that is. It remains to be seen, man. Yeah, it depends if you have the right coach, but I mean, like... Yeah, I mean, I mean, but we tried that year and year and year. I mean, th that's the thing, like, if the coach ends up being Pat Shermer, then no, let's just stay with Jackson, right? But if the coach ends up being Rob Chudzinski, oh, that would man, be great yeah. for me, man. Miss <laughs> that guy. God. Anyways. Um, yeah, but, I mean, like, on. on the coaching market, like, proven coaches are not really willing to go to Cleveland. We're not going to get a guy like uh, uh, John Gruden, Bill Cowher, or but This is whoever. the thing, though, for me. I don't even think I want an established coach coming into this into this franchise. Like, I want to I wanna grow my own prospect. I want to grow the next Sean Payton. Like, that's what I want to have happen. I want us to, to take a young guy. I mean, like what we were doing with Chudzinski. Like, take a young dude like this. Let so him, maybe like, maybe like a Josh McDaniels from uh, from New England. No he, he man, had a no, before. no. I don't want it. that guy. You don't want that. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. We'll have to see when off season comes. Who's available and what's what's up. But like I would be cool with a college coach like Gus Malzahn, Auburn's coach coming through. Like I, I, just a guy who's able to utilize his talent a little bit better than what our coach has been doing. Like I kind of feel like he's been kind of fit square pegs into round holes all year long with what he's been doing and inspecting of his players, man. You have to kind of like back off on some of that stuff and make the system something that the players can execute effectively. And yeah. Kind of feel like Jack, that's not Jackson's forte, you know? Yep. I don't know. Well, in any case. well my next quick question is this. Uh, do you think young guy, a young guy like Kaiser is going to have a chance to start some games next year for the Browns considering that they're looking at drafting a quarterback early on? Um... That's a good question. I don't. I'm not exactly sure because I think that should play out during uh, the training camp. Because I mean, when you look back at the training camp that we had this year, mm -hmm. uh, Kaiser wasn't the starter from day one. Yeah, but he. Well, at least that would. He, he Jackson, wasn't. He wasn't. Jackson obviously. said that. Uh, yeah, because you you were at the training camp. You, yeah. you saw what he was yeah, like he, in training camp. I thought he looked immature. And but to be honest and to be fair, that like, he's been. The best quarterback that the Browns have employed you know, all year. He's definitely been the best one on the roster. Better than Brock Osweiler, and he's played better than Brock Osweiler's played in this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, better than Kaiser, better than Kaiser, better than Kessler, better than Hogan. Definitely, he's the best quarterback on the roster right now. So, for me, I mean, I, he's earned it for what he has here. I mean, well, what do you expect, right? It's. Uh, I think that all comes down to what happens during the offseason. Uh, let's say if uh, Jackson stays and we we draft a quarterback with the number one pick. And if that would be Sam Darnold, uh, Josh, uh, Josh Allen, uh, or... Uh, Josh Rosen, right? Yeah, Josh Rosen, sorry. And um, what's the Allen dude? Uh, uh, There's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar uh, Jackson. Darnold. Yeah. Darnold, right? Baker, uh, Baker, Baker Mayfield. God, but, please. Please, <laughs> Sachi, if you ever, for some reason, listen to this show, 
do not draft Baker Mayfield for anything. And it's not like I feel like he's a problem like Johnny Menzel because it's not a talent issue in some ways. I never thought Menzel was talent. It was obviously off the field stuff that got in. With um, Baker Mayfield, it's not it's not that it's, it's a talent or even off the field stuff that I'm worried about. He's just a douche. You don't want to draft a guy who's a douche, right? I don't know. In Cleveland, when things get bad or tough, a douche quarterback is going to do douchey stuff, right? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to if, – if we draft Baker Mayfield, it's going to be the Johnny Manziel part two. Sort of you, stuff. It's it's too much antics off the field, and the whole media is just going to jump on that. Because you have a terrible franchise, and the only thing worth talking about is going to be the quarterback and his off-field issues. I mean, I was telling you earlier, if Baker Mayfield can play, like, and he's the only person that you can draft in the draft, and you're the first pick or whatever, like, I could consider taking Baker Mayfield if you... If, like, the Duke, I, I think he can play. I don't care about that. It's just, he's such a douche, man. Why do you want to draft a douche on your team? I, I don't, you can't draft a douche anymore. You need you need a quarterback that, like, did you did you see the video when he got arrested? He got arrested? Oh, yeah, that was funny. God damn. Best tackle on him by far on the whole fucking <laughs> oh, year, by man. the way. That was those, funny. That was dude, really funny. I was watching them on the YouTube, the YouTube <laughs> chat, like, the, the people that were talking I about that I already saw stuff. the headline. With the second pick overall, the Cleveland Browns select. The linebacker. Officer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, dude. I guess they were like, dude, the bootleg didn't work for him on that play, right? <laughs> the naked bootleg. What the hell, dude? That was awful. But that was bad. I mean, but like, all right, it's his worst moment. It's caught on tape. Like, I was, I can forgive somebody for a mistake like this. And then the next thing I saw that was like bugging me was that stupid block. Oh, stabbing with the stupid flag oh, from the yeah. Sooners. Man, I don't know why, but that, I don't. I don't usually care about stuff like this, like college stuff, like whatever, man, whatever. Even if my team does it, I don't like to see it, but like whatever. There's just something about a dude like this, a quarterback of a team, going out, winning a game, and like swinging the flag around like that, and like the, the fans in the stand were just watching in horror, like what? All the players on the Ohio State left the field, and like a little punk, he's going to stick it in there when people are when they're gone. Like anybody, any, any suit up, any Ohio State player would have kicked the pants off that dude for doing that stuff, and they could see him doing it. But no, he's gonna wait till they leave, and then he's gonna do it. Oh, he beat you, uh. <laughs> jerk, man. I forget that dude. I, I really, I don't want to see him on my. I don't want him on my team anymore. Yeah, that's that's another thing that comes into into questioning when you when you want to draft a guy like that, because every coach in the NFL is gonna be watching that tape, and every the team that drafts him, and when they play that team. In that week, they're gonna show that tape know, and man, use that, that motivation. And that, goose, that dude's just a job. I don't, I don't want to see that guy. I was telling you before, though. I like Josh Allen. I think I've kind of like, kind of backed down on Josh Allen a bit um, as I've watched some of the things that I've seen on tape a little bit more. And I, like I said, initially I liked him specifically because he was a lot like Deshaun Kaiser, and I think that you'd want to have like another quarterback in the same mold, even a little bit better than him, to kind of like move into the position after Deshaun Kaiser comes next year. And that's the kind of guy I think would fit there. You wouldn't have to put the first the first pick of the draft on uh, Josh Allen either. And maybe you could think about draft, drafting him as a second quarterback as well on this roster. I don't, I don't see that it's not even a choice for the Browns to take two quarterbacks in this draft. So in some ways, like, I definitely like the idea of having that guy on the roster, but in another way, like... I'm not really sh- I'm not really sure he's the kind of guy that could be the kind of savior that this team needs right now like a guy like Rosen or Darnold might be. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this. I'm sure you haven't got a lot of time to scout these guys either yet, have you? I haven't I haven't seen any college tape 
yet up until this point. Uh, I'm trying to get into that in the next few weeks, especially when we go 0-16. I'm, oh man, I'm gonna be watching tape every day. Yeah, no, it's it's been interesting to hear Easy talk a little bit about that stuff as they come closer. And like he's right, man. There are there are a lot of solid quarterback prospects in this draft class. Um, we just named a few, but the one we didn't really talk too much about yet is Lamar Jackson. Who, to me, that guy is – I mean, when people started talking about him in the hyperbole, I was like, is it really that great to watch that? But I watch him. That guy's arm is amazing. That guy is a is – a, he, he, he's a Michael Vick good type of runner. And he can throw the ball in the pocket even better than Vick could. And for me, I feel like that guy projects as a solid starter in the NFL as well. You have Rosen, Darnold, Jackson, many Baker, Mayfield. I mean, there's a, and the thing is, like, they're not going to – people are talking about 1983, you know, the, the draft class, which put Marino and Elway into the league. It, this could be one of those one of those years. And, and the NFL needs it, really, right now. There's a lot of bad quarterback play in the NFL. To have a, a, a class like this could be a really big thing for the NFL. I mean, Denver has no quarterback. You see what's going on in I mean, Houston. They have a quarterback. He's injured. Uh, you saw what happened in Minnesota. The I mean, Jets, the Jets okay. don't have a quarterback. The Jets I mean, got nobody. Yeah. You know, there's just there's a lot of teams that are struggling a quarterback. I mean, guys gone down in in, in Atlanta and Arizona. It's definitely it's it's a quarterback driven league with a lack of quarterback talent, and hopefully this year can can do something to address it in the draft. Yeah, and what also comes to uh, into that is that uh, when you look at the the premier quarterbacks in the league, like Tom Brady, 39, 40 years old. It's true. Uh, also, Drew Brees turning 39 soon. Um, Philip Rivers is 39, 38. I don't know. It's, he, he's, I think he's 30, really 30, 35, 36. He's oh, getting okay. up there though. Yeah, it's getting up there, and so yeah, yeah. A lot of those guys are getting older, and we need—they need like a, a really solid year like this one. And and I think, I mean, they hyped it up a little bit, a little bit more than I think it was probably going to be. There's not like that slam dunk Andrew Luck prospect, you know, that you'd expect to see in the draft. But there are, are several guys that are, are excellent ones. And there's with Andrew Luck, I actually heard that he might actually not be able to play anymore. Yeah, I heard about that with his shoulder, yes. Yeah, he actually went to Europe to, to get treatment on mm -hmm. his shoulder, mm -hmm. and I think the doctors here said that uh, he might not be even able to play anymore. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that guy, over his first few years in the league, has taken an absolute beating, and it's really... It's it's a it's a it's a shame that they that they didn't really invest picks or and in quality in in people to protect that guy over the years, man, because he has been he has been like slammed in his first few years as a quarterback for the Colts for sure, right? He got couched. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, but he it was messed up at the beginning of his career. His first year, he was unbelievable at the beginning. He could throw the ball, he ran the ball, he did he was amazing. As as time went on though, he, it seemed like it, it slowly slowly went in the in the wrong direction direction for that guy and very very depressing and I, and I feel like this year that the, the Colts really got to consider taking one of those quarterbacks early on even if luck does if luck could come back you still have to feel that way for them right yeah yep definitely for sure for sure uh, anyways so I don't know if you've been a tankathon right because I was telling you before about tankathon and how it works but they have a mock draft out. They were having the Browns selecting Josh Rosen at the beginning and then going with Duran James, like a rangy free safety. You don't know anything about this guy. I'm sure you don't. But the idea of the Browns drafting a free safety now coming up in this draft, what do you think about 
those are the first two picks. I mean, what do you think of the needs of the Browns going into this draft season? Uh, the needs of the Browns, okay. Uh, that's actually a lot, I would say. Uh, well, um, how would you rank it? I'll tell you, you want me to, should I go first for you? or? Um, yeah, go ahead. Go okay, ahead. sure. Okay, while I think that the, the, the need for a quarterback might not be the biggest one that I would do right now, I think I'd be itch- In some ways, I feel like whoever they're going to get at the top of this draft might not be better initially than Deshaun Kaiser going into this season coming up. I agree. So in some ways, like, I don't know that, like, quarterback is necessarily the, the biggest need on the team or the biggest thing that's going to be changing, but I do think they should pick a quarterback first. I, I agree that this is... Yeah. This is the case. Yeah. So I would say first you would take a quarterback because just because you have the pick of a litter and in the end that's that's probably the way you want to handle that situation. Scout the shit out of it. It's like the first time I said shit on this show. Scout scout the hell out of it. And then in the end, like pick the guy that you want. You have your your, your on the top of the draft, pick the one you want. Take a quarterback. After quarterback though, I really think free safety is a huge position of me. But I think before then I might go with a wide receiver. Yeah, have you ever seen? Have you seen Cortland Sutton? <laughs> oh man, our bartender. <laughs> Thanks, Pizza. That means please. Anyways, um, a rangy free safety sounds really amazing. I really like the idea of having a free safety that's it's better than uh, Jabril Peppers. That would be great. But um. A wide receiver, Cortland Sutton, I think that's a guy that I really would like to have. There's a lot of really big, strong wide receivers. Uh, Sutton's one, um, you know, Calvin Ridley, this guy from Alabama, another interesting wide receiver prospect. But I think Sutton's the one I want. He's like a 6'4 dude, kind of like Josh Gordon, like big, strong, fast guy. It's the kind of guy, obviously, you'd like to see at the top of the draft, you know? Yeah, um, I think with the first with the first pick, we, we, we have to take quarterback at this point. There's, there's no... No reason at all why we shouldn't. I mean, if they draft a, let's say, a, a tackle or something with the first pick, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be furious. You know, it's actually funny that you said this though, because I think the Browns do need to take a tackle. They, oh yeah, yeah, sure. I, I wouldn't even mind with, it with a second pick as oh, well. With the second pick too. You know, that, that'd be good. That'd be good actually. I'm, I'm, I would support that. But, um, I would say it all comes down to where we pick and what talent is available at that position. I think that we should take the best talent available and let's say uh, at six, seven, eight, nine, whatever it turns out to be, uh, if Saquon Barkley from Penn State is there, yeah. I think we should take this guy. He's, yeah. He looks he looks pretty good to me. And I don't I, know. I'm, he's a running I'm not back, really man. I'm not really high on, on picking running backs in the top ten. Because well, it I, doesn't, it didn't turn out that good last time we did it. With, I, you know, uh, I don't, Richard. I don't even mind. I don't mind taking a running back early. I mean, a guy like him, if I really wanted him. But the thing is, this draft class is so loaded at running back, man. And you look around. I don't know if you have a chance to like scout those guys. But to me, I felt like there was like probably six, seven running backs that are first round talent in this draft. And I feel like in that situation, it's kind of a mistake to invest a pick so early when you can get a guy like Nick Chubb like later on. And Nick Chubb is like really projects to be every bit as yeah, maybe not as effective as Saquon Barkley, but like he really solid, solid running back. I mean, him, Sony, Sony Michelle from Georgia, this duo, unbelievable, unbelievable. Watching these guys run the football, you know, so yeah, a lot of good options at running back coming into the draft for sure. I would, I would definitely go with the uh, with the tackle, like you said, on with the left tackle on with the second pick. Yep. Uh, 
definitely a wide receiver somewhere in the draft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I also, okay, I guess the one I was looking at here was um. I know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. That was actually kind of nice. I think he did that because he cared, right? Oh, yeah. In the end, like, there's another uh, linebacker, uh, linebacker um, offensive tackle, like, his guy's in Orlando Brown uh, from Oklahoma. This guy's like 6'8, this a monster. Mm. And um, I don't know if you've heard about that guy. <clears throat> Probably not the top rated one, but... I haven't watched any, any tape on, on college prospects yet, so I'm not really sure. I'm only watching Ohio State mm-hmm. um, when I have some time. Um, but this, I think there's, there's many needs that we have. This is true. Um, this is true. Safety is also one. I'm, I'm, like I said, I haven't watched any tape on, on college safeties yet. So I'm not really sure yeah. if we should go in that direction with if, the second pick. If you pick. do, look at Minka Fitzpatrick. Look at Derwin James. Derwin James is a dude that's been projected to us a lot All right. in the draft. Definitely have a look at these two guys. They're definitely interesting guys to look at. Interesting prize. And I'm, I'm like a dude who gets into this stuff, especially in January, February. I got really nothing better to do. It's like nasty outside out here. Totally into that stuff. So I'll get, I'll get into it more and more as it goes. Like for me, I'm interested in, and of course, wide receiver, like I was saying, safety, and um, offensive tackle to me is interesting with us, of course, after quarterback. Yeah. But then I was looking at um, a guy uh, like James Washington, a wide receiver out of um, Oklahoma State. Like I was, I was scouting Mason Reese Rudolph to see if I liked this guy, and to mm-hmm. me that guy looks, looks like, oh, man. There's this quarterback um, from Kentucky after Tim Couch. And they called him the Hefty Lefty. His name is Jared Lorenzen. You ever hear this dude? <laughs> the hefty Lefty? No. Yes. The Hefty Lefty, man. Me and my dude, <laughs> one of my roots always crack on that dude. Hefty Lefty. And, it, and Mason Rudolph kind of looks like just Jared Lorenzen kind of quarterback. You know, to me, like this big dude that's, uh, he didn't really impress me so much. But James Washington, he's like a 6'1 wide receiver, like not overly fast, but he catches everything. And he's like just a beast over the top, man. Man, I, I love James hey, if he Washington. Can catch, man. I'm cool with him because love that guy. Our wide receiver core just simply cannot catch. This is true. This is, this is, I've never seen so many drops in true. one season like this one. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we we've had a lot. I mean, you know, Greg Little played for us at one time, right? Oh yeah. So I mean, I feel like we. I mean, also Braylon Edwards, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like we drop himself. We've had a lot of people that they can't catch the ball. I mean, that, that have issues with drops. So I'm kind of used to that in some ways, but God. This year has been really pretty, pretty atrocious, I would say. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. <laughs> I was really frustrated with, with Kenny Britt. I think he was just flat out terrible. And last week, though, he, he was not that bad he, last week, and he's been better, but God, man. Yeah, but where on earth was he when, when the season started? I mean, the, the first eight games, I think he, I don't think I ever saw him. One catch from him. He did, he did nothing. He dropped he everything. He did nothing. He was awful. And he dropped critical throws. Oh, yeah. And he dropped, uh, dropped those passes, and they turned into interceptions for Kaiser. And yeah, I think he's been flat out awful. And um, in the end, I'm excited to see what happens these last four games with Josh Gordon. I mean, we did this Josh Gordon special last week, and it was really cool. I mean, I really liked this. And it's funny, like, for the first time, you know, man, Manly and Loving It, he, like, wrote me, like, a AKA comment. the Alabama Hammer. Alabama. Josue. Josue. 
he wrote me he wrote me he wrote me on a, a, a comment and he said something like that I was uh I should be pelted with red flags like like run a gauntlet and be pelted with red flags because I like Josh Gordon is my favorite player yeah and I was like when I read this I was like you know actually I, I really I don't mind when people say like a lot of crit- critical things especially if it's well worded and funny it's cool I don't mind like taking even like somebody like totally disagreeing with what I'm saying it makes me better in some ways to have to critique it or think about this so for me I always welcome that stuff so I'm happy to hear him say something like this but at the same time I was like I really didn't like how could you like throw red flags at me for, for liking Josh Gordon I don't see why that's a problem I, I don't know is it wrong to like him after the purple drink thing like the fact that the fact that he got busted for for drinking codeine should I hate him because of that um, I don't think I would hate him for that, but he should be my best I mean, player. He should be my favorite player because we, we're sitting here drinking beer. It's true, you know. I'm, I don't want to judge the guy. No. It's not but, purple. But it's not purple. Oh no, there's no coating in it, man. It's not the same thing. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I don't think it's wrong for me to like a guy who who supposedly drank purple drink. In the end, like maybe it's um I, I don't want to condone the behavior. Obviously, it's not it's not life affirming action from him, and I don't want to I don't want to like uh, to make it something that it's not. But in some ways, like I I get it, but. I was trying to say to him that, for me, the heart wants what it wants, you know? You look at a player on film and on tape, and you just, sometimes just like, something about the way he does some stuff, you just, you just like the guy, and that's just how it is, man. Yeah. And that's how it is for jo- every time with Josh Gordon, when I watch him, I want to watch him more than I want to watch anybody else who's ever played for the Browns in a long, like, I think ever, really, I mean, not ever, probably back in the day, I felt differently about Eric Metcalf or something like this. Wait, I'm, do you even know, remember that? Been, I have no idea. You were never even, you were, you've been alive with Eric Metcalf? Was, I don't know. When, when, when did he play? Eric, I think he was drafted in 1989. 1989? Yeah. I started following the Browns in 2008. Yeah. He was like my favorite player at the time. I mean, everybody, everybody's favorite player, man. He was unbelievable from Texas. Eric Metcalf. Texas. Eric Metcalf. <laughs> I told you about my, Ned, my, my Nev Chandler voice, man. I love Nev Chandler. But no, Eric Metcalf was amazing. Phenomenal running back, an unbelievable speed, unbelievable quicks and jukiness. Like, I would say the, 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 the next best thing to Kyrie Irving in terms of juking ability, the ability to move around, but that better speed. Kyrie Irving's not high, a high-speed guy like Derrick Rose is, for example, at his prime. But it's not his speed, it's his quickness and his ability to change direction. And this is really what Eric Metcalf did really well, except for he had the top end speed as well, too. So, I mean, but in any case, like, I like watching Josh Gordon as as much or even more than Eric Metcalf or anybody else who I've ever watched in the Browns uniform. It's been one year, but that one year was like, it's enough for a lifetime. And I knew when I fell in love with that with that uh, tape against um, uh, the Patriots when that game that they should have won that they totally got screwed by the officials. Oh, yeah. God, that was that was Chudzinski's season. Like, watching 2013, that was reminding me, like, that's why I love Chudzinski, man. That guy was unbelievable. He game plan for Josh. I mean, he had Brandon Whedon and Brian Hoyer and Jason Campbell making Josh Gordon look like an absolute superstar Hall of Fame player. And in the end of the year, they're like, no, we don't want this guy as our coach anymore. What was wrong with these people? I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. Um, Brandon Whedon was his quarterback. Brandon Whedon. Okay. Sorry. Brandon Whedon is, is uh, yeah, a whole different topic. That's. Yeah. I'm glad that's behind us. 
Yeah. Now that I'm but, big... but uh, <laughs> I coming back to to Josh Gordon. Um, I'm just glad that he turned his life around because it was not just you know smoking dope or uh, having a beer every once in a while because he was doing some really nasty stuff. You know, yeah. Worried about the cocaine and uh, what yep. else? The yep. codeine and yes. especially at a really young age. I think he said in his interview or the, the documentary, a little short documentary, that he started doing that when he was 14, I think. Yeah. And that continued through high school, through college. And even then in the NFL, and he never really got in trouble for that. Once he got, you know, as soon as he got to, to Baylor, he got in trouble for that, and that continued then through his NFL career. You But know, I'm glad that he's. I, I hope he's sober right now, and he, he changes. He turned his life around. Okay, you know, I, I might end I up with state. I hope it stays that I way. I got you. I got you. I'm sorry. I might end up cutting this pay, this point out that I'm about to make right now. But one thing that I was uh, one discussion I almost wanted to have in that Joshua Gordon Gordon debate was about functioning alcoholism, because like it's really weird in some ways that like people don't realize how many people around them are functioning drug addicts, functioning alcoholics. Like I've worked with a couple of people in my past. Um, that were, I would describe them as functioning alcoholics, like really drinking a lot of alcohol. And then the next day coming to work and then being functional and then doing things and even sometimes performing at like all-star levels at, at work as well and seeing some people do this kind of stuff. And, and this is what Josh Gordon was doing, man. He was taking like drugs or whatever, like getting inebriated in some way or taking the edge off or whatever it was. And in the end, still performing at an all-star Hall of Fame level, at a level that, like, really, you know, in some ways, it, it begs the question, like, what, 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 yeah. is, what would it be like if he didn't do that stuff? Or, like, it's weird to think about it in this way. But in some ways, you, you think about the level of people that function as high-level alcohol. And when I first went to, to England, like, probably, like, in 1996, like, I met this family. And um, when I stayed with them, I, I, I saw people that I would describe as high-functioning alcoholics. In America, <laughs> if they were in the States, they would be high-functioning alcoholics. They would be, be straight-up alcoholics. Everybody would tell them to go to, to AA immediately if they were drinking like that. Because they, they would come home from work. The first thing they would do was start to drink alcohol. They would drink probably for five or six hours in a row. And by the end of the night, they were totally trashed. They would go to bed, wake up, go to work. They would go to work and do their job and do their st stuff and keep it together and they would just live like this. In America, yeah, definitely you are a drunk if you do this. You are an alcoholic. But there, you know, when you can handle your stuff, keep it together and still maintain and still keep it together and work like this, it's functioning alcoholism, you know? And in the States, like, so many people actually are like this there. But they still have this high level of hypocrisy because of the, the things he chooses to inebriate himself with. So for me, I always feel like there's a little bit of a hypocrisy with this stuff. Like, it's okay to sit there and drink Bud Lights every day, you know, as they're advertised on the NFL. But when you want to, you know, medicate yourself in a different way, then that's somehow, you know, taboo and we have to, like, shun you and whatever. So I kind of feel like that's kind of at play in the Josh Gordon situation as well, too. I don't know. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. Like, uh, he, he took drugs, yeah. But he never beat his, his wife, his kids, or anything. You know, and he got suspended because he was taking drugs and he tried all of them I would say it's true well I think that that's what, the thing what, what he, he didn't try all of them there's some I, I'm pretty sure he didn't try H right 
if he had, would, would you would you see, would you do you think it's something like this for him? I I don't know if he, if he tried that. Maybe he, he maybe he tried once. He just said, oh. you know what, I'm just gonna try this. I, I don't know. I can't imagine that it's something that he actually has tried. I'm sure he's done some self-destructive things for sure. And that's really the problem with that stuff. It's all so self-destructive behavior, you know. In the end, like, I, I feel bad about it, but, like, it's self-destructive. Like, the, the, the drunk driving thing to me was the one that was bugging me the most because it's something that it drives yeah. public safety. Oh, yeah. But anything else that he's been accused of doing or whatever, it's all been self-injurious behavior. And I don't understand why people get so angry at somebody, in, you know, get angry outwardly at somebody for injuring themselves. They're not hurting anybody. They're hurting themselves. And it's sad to see it go down like that. Yeah. But, like, the vitriol, the level, of anger and hatred like it hurts the team too and I get it and you can't depend on people that are like that I get it but in some ways they act as if like you can't even support or even be for a person who's injured themselves like this and I'm like I feel like I feel like much more compassionate towards people when I when I see that they're doing something like this you know I don't feel like yeah. I want to be angry or, or mean about what they're doing I feel sad about what they're doing you know yeah and and he gets suspended for that for pretty much two years from the league and the guy like uh, Adrian Peterson, for example, oh, he didn't man. take any drugs, but he beat his kid with a rod. That and was actually... A, did you, ever, did you ever hear all this story? I was like reading something about that recently. Just like how bad he was beating his kids. It, it was like really... Like it's, if you ever get a chance to like look at these accounts, man, it's some of the... Like I don't know if it was something that just because like what it was, like it didn't really come out on the front page news of, of the NFL, but like some of the accounts were really flat out graphic and awful. And it's like as you hear about this, it's just like, oh my God, this is really, really not cool. Not, not good. AP, it's not cool. Yeah. Like we have to like have a discussion about this, but like this is someone injuring somebody else. You know, this yeah. is a much more disturbing behavior pattern than somebody oh, yeah. injuring themselves. You know, oh, so yeah. for me, I'm like, like we're you're willing to go cheer for a dude who does that to his kids, but they're not going to cheer for somebody who does that does something like that to himself. I mean, I don't I don't really get that in some ways, but I don't know. It's just in the end, I'm probably going to cut this piece out because honestly, I don't want to say something that's a little bit weird or controversial for, for in this way in some way but I don't know what mm. we want to say maybe we should wrap this show up at this point then right maybe we should okay well fine but that will put this one in the or, books or, then or do you have any other questions I mean I got other questions man but in the end it's, it's enough for today actually actually I don't have any other questions oh I did want to talk about Easy Weed oh man yeah, shout man. out to Easy and man we loving it yeah, man, we, we, it's so funny, man. I totally have a couple people that are totally into this, into the DBN just from, you know, our casual conversation. And yeah, we're, I'm a totally a huge fan of Easy Weed, but Easy Weed was telling me. too, me too. Yeah. We were listening to a show this, this week and he seemed so down in the dumps, almost like he was trying to like be the anti-Pollyanna for the Browns or something. It was, it was really weird to hear that. But <laughs> I was like, I was, uh, yeah, man, watching that game this Sunday, man, I was, I was that upset watching it too, man. So I understand Easy Weed. You're coming from in that stuff, man. I, if I had to cover the game, you know, if I had to get, you know, if I had to cover the game professionally or what, I mean, I guess I am covering the game now, but it would be hard for me to do it like on a, on a network. And you you heard you hear some of the people, and I don't know if you heard from people in Cleveland. Easy mentioned it, but like there's a, a big meltdown from one of the the big talkers in Cleveland. His name is Rizzo. I don't know if you're listening to Rizzo. Uh, I know Rizzo, not personally, but yeah, but, uh, yeah, but he had yeah, like yeah. this huge meltdown, like saying he was like gonna stop supporting the Browns, like this huge diatribe on the air. And it's just like, 
Ty, just shut up, dude. Come okay. On. And we, were, we all we all watched the exact same game. I don't need to hear you tell me how bad you feel because I felt bad. I saw it. It was not cool. But like, how is how are we gonna get better faster? How's the quickest way out of this? Well, how are we gonna get out of this? What are, what's our plan to do this? For me, like, I think that. Keep firing Coach Jackson is a huge step in the wrong direction because we have such a young team. The plan was to have him stay around for a while. Why are you gonna why are you gonna abandon the plan at this point? I think I think if he would stay for another year, you probably should keep him around, but like I said, if you didn't, just you know who you want to have on your coach or what, what traits you're looking for, then this time pick a better coach that, that fits what you want to do better than what Hugh Jackson's doing. And in the end, if it's a person who's not so football-minded and understands more what analytics are trying to do and can work with these things better, then this is a better thing for the team, right? Anyways, I guess we should probably stop talking now. I'm like been rambling on now for 20 minutes. Yeah, I got to head to Okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll go do that. Well, okay, with that, we'll put this in the book, guys. Thanks for taking time to listen uh, to this and all the shows at the DBN Network. Uh, please leave a comment in the comment section if, it, if you have a chance. Uh, we appreciate hearing all your feedback. Also, JB does as well. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, big shout-out to Easy and Manly and Loving It. <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, I always listen to the show when I'm in... Uh, when I'm on my way to work, I can't say that I'm listening to your show when, when I'm actually at work because my boss probably is going to kill me for that. But thank you guys for doing that. All right, perfect, man. Thanks, JB, for coming and joining me. Well, with that, we can put this one in the books. Thanks for uh, – you've been listening to Ch- No Chaser. I'm your host, Thelonious7, uh, on the DBN Network. Guys, take care. A long show, dude. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.